Welcome back. Today's episode, we're going to be talking 2016 skidoos. And with us, we have Steve Cowing, Manager, Media Relations, David Tietro, Product Planning, and Chris Rusk, Project Leader, R&D, Summit. How you doing, guys? Marvelous. Great. Wonderful. Great. Awesome. And with us on uh, with us is uh, Snowboard Canada and STV. We have Mike Van Muen for Snowboard Canada, Brad Harris for <laughs> Snowboard Canada, Hal Armstrong for Snowboard Canada, and last but certainly not least, Phil Moltel from Snowmobile Television. So we're going to be asking uh, some questions uh, on the, about the 2016 skidoos, and um, we'll be uh, in uh, talking with uh, with these guys, uh, the uh, BRP uh, reps. Um, about uh, about their new product this year. We're in uh, West Yellowstone, Montana, snowshoot, and we're riding. So first off, Steve, talk to us about uh, the 2015 uh, uh, model year. Um, highlights. Highlight was probably uh, T3 and the Renegade XRS from last year. T3 kind of really took the mountain market by surprise, I think. Uh, a lot of people really got a chance to get out there and get that extra traction that a T3 offered, the extra length the 174 offered. Saw what kind of a difference that could make in your ability to go places, your ability to access lands that you maybe weren't as easily accessible before. So that was a really big mark for us. Uh, Renegade XRS was a huge hit. Uh, people have been waiting for that, uh, what I call the, the XRS of the Renegade line is what it really comes down to. They were waiting for the highest performance they could get out of a Renegade length track, and they really liked that one very well. Personally, I've seen a lot of the, uh, the Renegade Ace 900s on the trail and the XRSs, mm -hmm. that, you know, very visible sled. Looked really nice. Seen a lot of those on the trails, um, so definitely uh, some uh, some nice uh, nice product there. Um, Chris, what about the the, the, the summits? Um, last year, this year, I mean, big improvement this year. 2016s, 2015. I mean, you you've been you've been uh, developing the summits for how many years? Uh, first year I started on development of the summits was '94, so it's been quite a while, almost uh, 23 years, I guess now or 22. Biggest thing we saw with the new T3, the 174, and the 163 summits was it was an easier sled to maneuver through the trees. You didn't have to have such great momentum to get up through the trees. You could pick your lines much easier. You got into a treed area. You could slowly pick your way, especially with the 174, more forgiving. Guys didn't have to use wide open throttle. If they were used to having to run with like a 154. They could actually pick and choose their lines rather than sit there and say, oh my God, I hope I make it through that batch of trees. So that's the biggest difference. Per personally, we, we see um, the mountain segment is growing like crazy right now. How do you, how do you keep up with, uh, I mean, with, with the demand of, of, of such urgent development for, for these mountain sleds? Well, a lot of time on the seat is probably what the biggest thing is. We've got guys that are traveling and uh, riding the sleds all the time during the winter, trying them in various conditions. We're drilling them in the powder all, every day in the winter time. And uh, I got young guys working for me. So we're just trying to get more and more time and coming up with new ideas to make the sled a better unit for us. You guys have got a lot of years of experience here at uh, BRP. Looking back over the decades, what are your favorite landmark sleds or chassis or developments that have come out of uh, Valcour? There's, there's several easy ones that you can mark with. Uh, the first ones that, that mean really a lot to me would be the S-Series we had the MXZs and we converted them to 440s and then 583s. That showed we were serious about getting back into what I would call a cross-country game. Uh, it wasn't flatland, it wasn't more about lake racing, it was more about getting into some true cross-country woods running stuff. 
Uh, after that, you go to the uh, MXZ from 1999, where you tuck the motor right tight against the back of the chassis. You kind of abandoned the rotary valve at that point and was cylinder, cylinder case read induction at that point. That was another big step because then it became about packaging more than it came about horsepower. So these steps like this evolution, these were pre-rev, and the rev is such an easy mark to put out there. I mean, rev set the world back in 2003. Uh, looking at the uh, uh, 2016 lineup, um, Skidoo is uh, bringing in some new models. Um, just maybe explain to the, uh, to the listener how Skidoo goes about uh, developing or, or identifying uh, a market for a particular sled that maybe they don't you know, fill at this point in time. Um, David? Well, yes, uh, we call those the market shaping models. We, we aim few few core segment, as you say, quite niche uh, to us, but, but we feel some consumer didn't really experiment everything that they wanted to do with, 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 their, with their snowmobile. So we, we found some, some really niche segment that we can, we can, we can fine tune and bring some things more exciting to them, something that will bring them in the dealership and, 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 and be amazed about those, those new, new, new product and new features that they can, they can have. Uh, let's say, let's talk about the, the Summit Burton. Uh, the Burton sled is, is obviously something quite logic to bring snowmobiling with snowboarders together. But instead of trying to bring those snowboarders into our world, we just, we just want to bring this sled into their world. So we're going to drop that new Summit next year into their world. So they're going to go in contests and, and now they're going to be able to use that that, that snowmobile as a chairlift to go in backcountry access they couldn't access before. And, and, and probably that's, that's for them a cheaper way than to get skiing or helicopter. So, so for sure, they're going to they're gonna enjoy it, definitely. Yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, the Burton uh, agreement that you guys have, the, the co-agreement they have. It's, it's, uh, you have a, a Burton Summit. Um, but Mike Van and uh, you've, uh, you've ridden just about every year uh, Skidoo. Um, what do, what do you what do you thought think? the this year you come out with the um backcountry arcs and the nip 146 more in the summit platform rather than the uh renegade platform what was the uh, decision to go for the 146 from the 137 well for us the 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 backcountry is the real on and off trail and and from past years it was more tower trail sled back uh, on on rev access platform and and consumer was saying that that we, we want to enjoy more the deep powder and, and go in the back country with it. So, so for us, it was obvious that that's that needs to go more towards summit orientation, but, but also keeping some good trail feature around it. So now, now it's getting the T-Motion flex edge track, 146 inch long track, but also it's keeping the 38 inch, inch stance ski and also good wind protection from Revic set side, side panel and a good windshield and hand guards and all that. Okay, so let's go into the 2016 model year. If you can go through the uh, the, the model lineup and, and give the the uh, the, the, the highlights of, of each of the, uh, the, uh, the the models. Well, I think we probably best off to start out with what's technically new for this year. And technology-wise, what we brought is uh, one important feature is a Pilot TS ski. Um, it's the most basic element of a snowmobile. Every snowmobile has two skis and a track. Uh, we're taking the ski and rethinking and re-engineering that so that now you get to tune the ski to what your riding style is going to be or the conditions of the day. Uh, and you're not stuck with one ski from both the day and the year or the weekend or whatever it might be. You get to adjust it for how you want it to perform that day, that minute, that hour, whatever it is. It's very quick. It's very, very easy. Um, 
we rode with the new ski today. It works awesome. You know, it, functionally, it does everything you guys say it will do. Um, it kind of blows my mind that it went into production. When you look at it, it looks like it adds a lot of expense. There was a lot of R&D time and money went into that. Uh, tell us a little bit about the development, the idea, and, and why you thought it was worth bringing to the market. The, the idea just came from the fact that, you know, you start out on a weekend where it's hard and crusty in the morning, or let's say one day is cold, one day is going to be warm throughout the weekend. And the idea was, what can we do to help that customer adapt to snowmobile to perform the best it can on all conditions? So the ski was the one thing where we had no adjustability. You had to either take the ski off and replace it, or replace a carbide or do something drastic like that, which you just didn't do on a weekend trip. It's just not a common thing to do. So how do we go about making that easy? And Jose Beaujolais, our CEO, actually had some input into this ski because he became frustrated one weekend when he experienced those kind of conditions. Very cold one day, very warm the next day. So the, the ideas were already brewing a bit, and I think he came in with a little more push behind it, saying, let's solve this, let's get this done. And uh, it was a, a large input, large uh, factor in getting that job done. And it's also an orientation that the RP is taking since a few years now with ski that helped the consumer to fine-tune their ride, help them to adjust it easier. We are not suspension gurus, so it's hard sometimes to, to figure out how, what should I do with my suspension? How should I adjust my cam, the spring preload, the compression? So now also with a quick adjust system on the back, introduced back in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, it's helped a lot the consumer to figure out how to fine-tune the ride and also making it quick on the trail with gloves on. So, so this is the same mindset behind the ski. So now can we, how can we fine-tune the ride, the, the front ride of the ski? So it's a continuity. I have a question uh, for Chris. Looking back over the years of development in the mountain sleds, there's been a. It must have been tricky because sometimes for people testing some types of sleds, you're on the trail, you don't like it, you haul it back to the trailer. But for you, for for several decades now, doing R and D out in the mountains, that must be quite a challenge when you get out there, and something something doesn't work or something happens, you got to haul it back, and then also the ability to go further where you were five years ago, you get further in. What's what's it been like seeing this development change? both in the sleds and in the recreational sport? It's been quite a challenge, uh, put it mildly, because we started out with tracks that were very low profile, three quarter inch to one inch high profiles on the tracks. Sleds that didn't handle that well. Cal uh, fighting the elevation changes for performance on the sleds where you didn't have jets, you had to change main jets to get them to perform well during the various altitudes. And then just when you got into certain areas with the snowmobiles, if you didn't have uh, a good way to get out, sometimes you had to figure out another way to get out because you went into an area you couldn't get out of. And if we broke something, then we had a real problem. We'd have to leave the sled overnight, go back, get parts, and then come back the next day and fix the sled up on the top of the mountain. We didn't have access to helicopters when we were testing because of, of the altitude and where we were in the trees. So a lot of things have changed. It's been a lot of fun uh, trying to come up with the new ideas and trying to say, well, let's go longer tracks. That was probably the biggest thing that we did that really made the biggest difference was longer tracks and higher profile on the tracks, reducing weight, trying to make the sleds handle extremely I've, well. Can I've talked to some mountain people who said one of the big challenges not only was traction but also fuel. You only had a certain amount of fuel, and when you got so far, your day was over because you're half, you got to now head back. How has the, the sport changed with fuel economy? Well, thanks to the E-Tech motor, we've been able to double the ranges that we've been going to just because of the ability to... Uh, the fuel mileage has improved so much. You, know, you still use a lot of gas, but you can also use the link system that's on the back of the sled. We can throw two and a half gallons of gas with us. We can go in and play in those areas. 
and because of the increase in the fuel mileage and the better oil economy with our sleds, we can go a long ways without having to, to worry about it. We're able to go to places that we only dreamed about five years ago that we're getting into now with no problem at all. So it's been a, a major asset and a lot of fun. What, when, what was your first summit? What year was it the first time the first summit first came 1994. out? 1994 summit was our first one in the F chassis. We had a 470 and the 583 summits that came out that year. Uh, approximately uh, back then, how far could you go up in, in elevation, really, in, in realistic climbing? And now, now we're seeing guys climbing crazy things. What, what, what altitude would you get at, uh, you know, comfortably? Back then? We could get to 12,000 feet. Luckily, we back in those days, we came out with what was the hack system. Yes. High altitude compensator, if you remember that. And that was probably the first big thing that really helped us for altitude because everybody else was changing jets and such like that for the various altitudes they were going to and trying to compensate for the way the sled ran. And luckily, we were able to have the hack system, which allowed us to... Uh, it was a, an early type of system. It worked fairly well. It wasn't great, but it was a good system for the for its time. And technology hadn't caught up with what we really needed. So but we'd get up to twelve thousand feet and that's pretty dang high. The biggest problem we ran into is you lose so much horsepower that you're losing three percent of your rated horsepower per thousand feet that you go up. So you're at ten thousand feet, you've lost thirty percent of your rated horsepower on the sled. So it was a real challenge to try to get to some of those areas. Yeah. Okay, Steve, um your 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 new development this year. You have the ITC system. Talk to us about that. Well, ITC is not new actually, but it's new on the twelve hundred this year. So it's it's a familiar system from the Ace nine hundred, the Ace six hundred. Uh, it's intelligent throttle controls. What the ITC stands for basically it gives you three driving modes, so you can choose between a, a sport mode, a standard mode, and an eco mode. You know, sport mode being the one that's the quickest responding, fastest going. Uh, standard mode for is where most people would probably drive their vehicle, get good fuel economy. Econo mode knocks it back even further on as far as the fuel economy stuff. It really helps deliver a, a smooth, even throttle and good fuel economy on top of that. In addition, what it's also done is it allows us to make it a, it's a throttle by wire system. So it allows us to flip the throttle over. The thumb throttle now can become a finger throttle. So a lot of guys seem to appreciate that, that difference that that offers us there. On top of all this stuff, we also have learning key incorporated with that. So you can take a learning key and have a young rider or an inexperienced rider Learn at a lower speed, and you can also program the rate of acceleration. So it's a very versatile system that really allows us a lot of control over the engine. I, I suspect it. it uh, there's a lot that goes into that when you're developing that system, clutching, gearing, because you're 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 in an ego, uh, an eco mode, mm -hmm. a standard mode, and a sport mode. I mean, is it true you 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 have to look at all all, all these things to develop such a it's it's a computer operated system. But you also have to look at clutching and gearing and stuff like that when you're in that when you're in those three modes. Like, yeah, look at all that stuff. Like, talk to us about the development. Well, ITC actually helps us to work with the clutching better. We can make it the most efficient clutch there is, and then work around that with ITC if there's any rough spots or stuff that we think we need to smooth out. ITC allows us that advantage. So it's another parameter to tune with, without a doubt, rather than relying on just clutching and gearing. So it's one more lever to pull or push whatever way we need to. So go through the modes. When when would we use the eco mode, the standard mode, and the sport mode? It really depends on the style of rider you are, but with a new 1200, uh, I think we're going to find a lot of guys that will end up using sport mode most often because they tend to be more of the performance riders. Okay, but the nice thing about it is 
when they want to mellow out and just head down the trail for a while and cruise, standard boats can be pretty nice for them. If they're concerned that they're going to long distance and have to try and conserve fuel, then obviously they'll get rolling. They'll probably switch it into economy mode. The nice thing about it is eco mode, I should say. The nice thing about all this stuff is it's on the fly. You don't stop. You don't have to slow down. Just push the button and go. But also think about loading and unloading from a trailer. So you don't get that surge support. When you just put it on standard, it's more linear, progressive acceleration. And then you can you can play with it and be able to go on the trailer without feeling that you're going to jump on the back of the cab. Explain how uh, there's a lot of guys, uh, a lot of riders waiting for you know an update to the 1200. It's a lot of 2009, 2010, 1200 owners are probably going to be trading in, getting the new ITC 1200. Explain kind of the learning curve that's going to happen. You know, their first ride, it's not going to be the same as their old 1200. Yeah. Uh, what's some of the advice you can give? Like I know I have my own learning curve for it. It takes a bit of time to get used to. You know, the first day they're not going to like it. The second day they'll get used to it. The third day they'll never want to go back, you know, yeah. to the old system is how I felt. So kind of give your advice to, to new owners from past 1200. Well, the biggest thing you're going to notice, again, and you and I have discussed this, Brad, was on the trail, was you notice how much quicker it revved up and then returned to idle. So the, the, when you blip the throttle now, it's much, much more like a dirt bike or a two-stroke. It's much closer to a, a fast revving, fast returning to idle type of a setup. So it's, it's also a sensitive throttle. And that's what I think you felt right away when we were out on the trail was you have to take your time learning it because it's not the same as a cable pulled throttle. And you're going to feel that it's very, very easy, very light on the hands. And once you adjust it, like you said, you'll never go back. It's so nice and so easy to control and modulate, but it takes some adjustment to get used to those things. Like all things that change, you're used to it to be in one way and you've lived with it for 10, 20, 15 years, whatever it might be. This one's a new change. And I, and I would said also, you said that guy's going to go in a dealer to, to trade their old 1200. Because of ITC, but I believe it's not only because of ITC. It comes now with the RevXS platform now. So the new modern, all the accessories that goes with it, they can fit on it. It's, it's going to play a lot in the decision of the 1200 riders for sure. A uh, question I've got is the 129 track. So this year we've seen Skidoo come out with the uh, Iron Dog special with the late season uh, model. And uh, kind of parachuting off the uh, the uh, the snow crosser, right? And uh, but let's just step through. Is the one twenty nine the beginning of the end for the one twenty one twenty one inch track? Um, a lot of people out there, you know, they see the Renegade, the one thirty seven, the fifteen inch track. Um, were surprised. A lot of them weren't educated. They still thought it was a sixteen inch track. So why would a person? choose the Renegade versus the 129, and is the 129 the future for the short track, I'll call it? I guess it's all a matter of opinion and what a rider wants. My feeling is that the 129 is the coming thing in that short track market, uh, but there's still some people who want that 120. They want something as light and nimble, as fast turning as it possibly could be. So for that buyer, we're going to still offer a 120, without a doubt. It's a quick turning machine. Uh, we've been using it for a lot of years. People are very, very used to it. For a guy that's going to be a little bit more on the, uh, I'll say, the performance end of things uh, and worried more about bumps, bump filtration, staying straight in the bumps, I think that's where 129 shows its advantage the most is under acceleration in the bumps. But it also gives you some advantages in braking too because you get more track surface on the ground there. So those things add up to make the, the performance rider maybe just a little bit more on that edge, able to push it just a little bit further in the envelope too. The difference between the 137 is... You start going to 137, I think you feel a little more push. Now, for a guy that's six foot four, 225 pounds, 
maybe he doesn't feel as much as I do at my size. So the nice thing about it is there's choices. Whatever you think is going to fit you, we're going to try and answer that niche for you. As a personal opinion to me, I was, if people ask me, do you prefer an MXZ120 or a Renegade 137? And I was like, it's hard to me to decide. I, li I like I like the bump titration of the 137, but as Steve said, it, it's pushing a little bit in the corners. And 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 for me, the 120 is 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 like a race car. It's just like a go kart. It, it's fun, but sometimes you feel that you're missing a little bit of track. So now with the 120, it feels like there's no compromise at all. You have bump titration, but also you have that that race car feeling to it, like short track too. We've uh, we've spent three days now with you at Snowshoot in, in the in, in the uh, compound. It's mind-boggling how many options there are in sleds. Now, if I was to go grab a 1978 brochure, I would have the Olympic, the Everest, the Blizzard, and I believe in a Land 250 was still available. Looking at today's a massive lineup, how how do you address what the market needs, wants, and where you say we can't we can't do any more here? That they're got. How do you address the, the, the demands? I mean, there's just so many options out there, but the, the, uh, the customer wants more. At this point, I mean, you, you, you look at the niches that are there and try to justify, okay, is there enough demand to build a product to fill that niche? Or do we anticipate that consumers are going to want to move that direction? It's really, if you ask a consumer what they want, they're really good at telling you what they want about a year from now. But that's, you're, you don't have a product cycle of one year. You can't create models in one year typically. It's a three-year process to create a, a vehicle in a minimum. So we have to anticipate that they want three years from now to really get it accurate, to get it right. That's the most difficult part about what we do as a company overall. But when you look at what the niches are, again, it comes back to the numbers game. Is there demand for that? Is there something that justifies building that product in that market? Well, you see right now, we've all we've found reasons to build it. It didn't just appear there by magic. There was a reason that it came about. Now, have you had surprises over the years where people said, we want this sled, you produced it, and the response hasn't been there. Conversely, you put a sled out there for feel, and suddenly it's, it's a huge hit. And so, and, and, you know. I think there's so many needs in snowmobiling. That's the thing about it. Consumer, you can do so many things about it. Is it utility, going on a weekend, fast riding, going with the with, with your wife, sitting about two up, two up riding, and all that. It's, at the end... We create those models because there was a demand about it. But, but then, as you're saying, a new consumer comes in dealers. How can he choose between those 200 models that we're offering? That's, that's a good question. That's really up to the salesman now to be well-trained, to understand what can be the needs of a consumer, and then asking questions. That's all about it. You need to ask questions. What, what are your intent about? What are you going to plan to do? Are you going to just ride by yourself over, overnight? Are you going to go on the weekend with your wife? Are you planning to work somehow with a sled? Are you, are, do you own a sugar shack and you want to... To work with it or it's all those little questions that, that you, know, you want to go off trail on trail only you want to go so all those questions help sometimes it can be too much for consumer but at the end when you start thinking about it it's it's helping also to process what you really want to do with that sled and then you'll be able to, to orient it to the right product okay getting back to, to phil's question you do have a couple new models this year um a couple new names mm -hmm. uh you you answered a segment that was asked for in the Enduro that you have. Let's talk about the new models. Let's, let's, let's start with the Enduro. Well, there's four new models for this year. You have the Renegade Enduro. You have the Summit Burton, which we mentioned a little bit of already. We have the Blizzard at the 129. And we also have the Expedition Extreme. So those four new models, it came about to be by, again, market research and, and trying to answer customer demands. In the case of the Renegade Enduro, what we saw was people that wanted uh, a vehicle that was very capable 
of going anywhere you wanted to go at any time, but still go long distances too. So it wasn't, for instance, pinned to the groomed trail and wasn't really good at going off trail or wasn't really good at doing bumps when needed to be. It was in the, in the spirit of the adventure bikes you see out there right now from a BMW or a KTM where they're on the tar and then the next minute they're on a dirt road and the next minute they're on a single lane or a single line trail through the woods. The spirit of the Renegade Enduro is kind of along those same lines. And uh, Blizzard, let's let's not about talk about the Blizzard. Blizzard is the return to the heritage of the racing name. You know, it's it's you, you know how we work and we, we do offer the best technology on spring only X model, XRS model. But then when the consumer in season want to want to buy also snowbird, he, he want also to get those new technologies. So so that that Blizzard is here to address that. It's here to to bring some some good technology in season for consumers. So now that blizzard is getting this key TS, also the R Motion 129 which we talk about, and also the high stripper track on it. So that's that's really a model that can be offered in season and gonna please to a lot of riders for sure. And TNT? TNT model? Yeah. Still in the lineup without a doubt. 120 inch track. Uh, very popular. I mean uh, we that's a mainstay for us. Like that stay around for a while. So where 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 did the the enduro evolve from? It evolved from the GSX and kind of went a step further. No, it's more it evolved more from the uh, Renegade side of things. The GSX was more of a it was just was a one up touring sled. Uh, and don't get me wrong, the GSX SE was maybe that bridging a little bit more of that hybrid in between there. But the GSX purely was more of a, a touring sled that was just one up rather than two up. So the enduro was created in the mind of. Let's take a Renegade and add some more stuff to that and make that the ultimate sled to go these different places. So, again, starting point where we came from was two different angles, but we ended up at what we think is a, a really viable sled for the market today. Okay, so let's start uh, from the beginning. Uh, let's, let's go through the features of, of each of the models, the TNT, the Blizzard, the Enduro, and then Chris will get you to comment on the, uh, on the summits. So let's start with the TNT. What's well, uh, what, what sure. we I think, I think it's, you want to talk more about the Expedition Extreme than TNT. TNT is not really new for this year. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll go through. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll go through just a well. The, the TNT, line. as we mentioned, it's one of the best-selling models we do have. It's one twenty-inch track, and and it's a first sporty look. It's on RevXS now on any engine offering. So the eight hundred E Tech, six hundred E Tech. The 1200 uh, Fortech now ITC on XS and also the 900 Haze. So, so that's definitely one of the most popular models we do have. Right. right. You're going to look at the MXZ lineup. You've got the uh, XRS, which is now 129. Uh, this year it's going to be offered in the spring with an ice ripper option on the track, but it will come standard with a 1.25 ripsaw. Uh, you'll be able to get the quick adjust system with it. And when you get the quick adjust this year, this year you will get the, the uh, Pilot TS ski with it. So quick adjust equals. The spring adjustment, the shock adjustment, and the Pilot TS skis. If you order it without quick adjust, you'll have a normal ski with no quick adjust on the back of it. Uh, X model the same way, same kind of scenario. That will be orderable in the spring with quick adjust or without quick adjust, and that's also 129 track length. So the R Motion 129 goes into the XRS, the X, and the Blizzard. And um, let's go through the highlights of the, the Enduro, all the features on the Enduro. Enduro is, is a bit similar offering I would say similar offering as the Blizzard, meaning that it's a it's the top of the line in season model you can find right now at Skidoo. It's a, you start by the XRS 
Uh, you get also all the same adjustment package Steve just mentioned. The X model too get that. But then when you go in season, the first model you want to take is the Enduro. Then you get the Ski TS, standard on it, a nice ripper track, 137, and also the nice excess uh, bumper, heavy duty bumper on it. Uh, the new air ride suspension, and uh, and also we get some ice, well, I'll mention about ice ripper, but also a 12 uh, RC plug on it to for, for uh, either uh, helmet parts uh, and all that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of commodity on that on that model. And then after that, you go you go to the adrenaline that you just have the same engine offering as the Enduro or as uh, is parallel in the MXZ, so the TNT. And then you have the entry model, the sport model. Oh. Um, I'm gonna ask you a technical question. Oh man, we're in trouble now. <laughs> because I don't know technical, so you have to really dumb it down. Um, Today's sleds with the complicated complicated injection systems of the role of the higher end oils because you know we've got some vintage people here who remember the old days of you walked in and there was something in a can that said forty to one and off you went. How important are are today's oils and running good oils and good gas and, and products in your sleds? Well, if you've read or seen some of the videos we put online about uh, XPS oils, you'll start to understand and grasp that oils definitely change quite a bit. When you look at an E-Tech motor, you're running a hotter temperature in that motor than you run in any other two strokes in the past because it is direct injection. So you're lubricating on the bottom end with just oil. There is no fuel mixture going through there to cool it or anything else. So it's a very hot motor that way. The E-Tech has a specific couple elements that it really likes. So we went to an oil production partner of ours and said, look, we need to make an oil that's going to last for this many hours at least and give us this kind of performance over that time frame. So it's a long process. We spent millions of dollars developing that oil right now. So the full synthetic XPS oil differs from the oil that you're going to put in brand X or brand Y, and it's also different than the aftermarket ones. It's got some unique properties to it that really help the, the exhaust valve stay clean, help the ring land stay clean, and helps the engine last as long as possible. Uh, I'm going to pull this back into your 2016 lineup. Um, the touring utility market, kind of that a whole new crossover market is growing, and... Uh, Let's talk about your expedition. It seems to be kind of at the forefront of the, the whole market. I know you got the expedition extreme, but let's talk about some of the changes in that part of the lineup. Well, you're right. The, the, we used to have a big segment named the Grand Touring that's it's a little bit fading to expedition now. Those people, and, and, and let's, let, let's just talk about the similarity with, with Renegade and MXZ. People seem to go toward Renegade now to have the capability to go off trail. That's quite similar for the expedition. It's a, it can be a good touring sled because it can have all the goodies, all the, the best feature for a touring ride and comfortable ride to up riding, but it's also bringing the capability to go off trail with that huge track, 20 inch large by 154. Uh, and depending the lug track, if you go to the extreme, it's one and three quarter uh, uh, inch lug. So that's that, that's something that can move on uh, and deep snow quite easily. So 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 now you can even go two up in the, in, in the powder if you want, but, but I think, I think I see a lot of riders taking that that expeditions to to go on a weekend with their wives to have a good time with friends, but then also to go with with their buddies uh, on a trip to uh, in a, to, to some some shack somewhere on deep wood, and they can do it with the same sled. So that's that's very the spirit behind it. And now to talk about that new expedition extreme, that's a model that that a lot of people in Quebec and East were asking about because that's a model that was already available in in Finland in the next lineup. It was named the, the Extreme Commander uh, with different rear skid set up for four for links. But we brought that, that same spirit sled here in North America. It's, it's get 
the, the expedition component, the same as we used to know, but now with the 800D taken to it. So it's a little bit lighter, more powerful, and, and it can move quite well in deep powder. Um, Four-stroke versus two-stroke debate. So, you know, Skidoo, <laughs> I see, you know, they've got the 600As, the 900As, they've got the 1200. So you've got three engines, right, the four-stroke. And then uh, two-stroke, of course, the, you know, the E-Tech that you know, everybody knows about. So where do we see uh, Skidoo moving in the future? I mean, we see on the Evinrude that this new E-Tech two-engine, I think a lot of people thought maybe they might see that technology coming trickling down in 2016 for Skidoo. Um, and we look at the competition, we see Articat is moving more towards four-stroke where Polaris is, doesn't even have a four-stroke in their lineup. So Skidoo, what are, we, what, are we, what are we looking at? If you can give us a glimpse into the, the future where you see two-stroke versus four-stroke in the application. There is definitely a place for both of technology in the snowmobile market. Yeah, we're we're blessed in that we have Rotax as a partner who has such great motors in both four and two-stroke engines. So what we're able to do is offer the market a choice. You know, if you are uh, definitely a four-stroke fan, we've got a motor for you. If you're a two-stroke fan, we've got a motor for you. So that allows us to, number one, give the customer a choice, but also, number two, fit the needs of certain markets better, I think. In the mountains... I think it'd be hard-pressed to argue that a two-stroke isn't the way to go. Uh, if you look at the, what the buyers are buying, what they're using daily in the mountains, where weight means something to you and performance uh, is everything, two-stroke seems to rule pretty solidly right now. Uh, yet when you get on the trails, like you, you guys are uh, uh, mainly in Ontario, where most of you guys ride, you've got some really long pulls up there. Those four-stroke 1200s are an awfully nice option to have in that. You know, so... And then there's other guys that think, hey, I'm in and out of the woods all day long. I want some light, agile, quick, so they're going to be a 600 E-Tech kind of a buyer. You have those options. If you pin yourself to one technology rather than satisfying the customer's needs, I think you leave the people uh, wanting or desiring more. Let me tie into that. The um, EPA, the slowly phasing out the 550 fan, what other engines are going to be phased out or what's the future for the EPA compliance? Is there, are we kind of at, the, at a level now where we're going to or, or we still have to improve and clean our sleds up even more? As of right now, there's no further uh, restrictions from the EPA. We're, we're all compliant right now, and they haven't announced any new standards as of lately. That doesn't mean that they can't turn on a dime and have some new standards tomorrow. Um, but you've hit on the fact that a fan-cooled motor is almost as much a fuel-cooled motor as it is a fan-cooled motor. So that's why I have all the hydrocarbons coming out the exhaust on that. Um, you could tighten up a fan cool potentially and maybe make it work. You know, technology, never underestimate these, these engineers. Give them a challenge, they'll find a way to overcome it. Are you looking right now, like, stepping ahead, seeing what's maybe coming down the pipe from the EPA? Or is it like, I'm sure you are, but... Uh, well, we will always empower to, to improve... Ahead. We'll always empower to improve the fuel efficiency, the emission of either yeah. four-stroke and two-stroke, so... So for sure, forward, we're going to have cleaner and better engine in the future. And, and one day, probably for the EP, we're going to have to get rid of the carb engine that we still do offer as price, price, price point, sorry. But, uh, but indeed, we, we, we're going to keep moving forward with our engine technology. The application of technologies may not be as easy as uh, it seems to be uh, cleaning up two and four strokes further, like the addition of, say, maybe a catalytic converter. 
that's a really, really, really tough challenge that people probably don't have a lot of appreciation for is the amount of heat that that generates and the technology it would take to make something like that work. But again, give an engineer a challenge, maybe they can overcome it, but then as a consumer, your costs go up significantly when that happens too. Okay, so uh, chassis. You got a, a couple of uh, chassis. You got the, uh, the, uh, the 1200 in the new chassis with the better body style. Talk to us about uh, your, your chassis this year. Well, the XS chassis is, is something people will be very familiar with. We know the 1200 buyers are going to appreciate, number one, the ITC. We've talked about already, and as David mentioned earlier, the, the Rev XS platform really makes the machine uh, feel significantly lighter, more agile. And it's really not that much difference in weight, but it just the, the overall impression when you're on the vehicle is going to be quite a bit different. I'll let you guys address that one because, you know, you've had the chance to ride it. You can tell us what you think about it. But um, let, let, let's, yeah. let's think about that Enduro you have both today, 800 E-Tech and 1200 Partech. Did you really feel a big, big difference on the, the way riding the machine? Well, you're, uh, you're, you're definitely your you're, you're Renegade in your, and we had these uh, TNT out yesterday in the Sport. And yeah, it, it, it's a nice hand, nice steering, beautiful steering sled, nice and smooth, nice easy steering. And it didn't even have to ski. I mean, so, I mean, I, <laughs> you, you got some nice options. <laughs> I mean, you had, you had a good good steering sled already, and now you got uh, a, a sled that will adapt to all, all day conditions. So, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, One that's thing we haven't great. touched on, Gord, is we haven't touched on the fact that we've expanded RAS2 this year, too. RAS2 is now on everything uh, except for sport models. So a TNT is always going to have RAS2 in all motor choices. Uh, the Summits are going to have RAS2 in all, summit, in all, uh, in all configurations except sport. Freeride gets it. Grand the Grand Touring. get it. Expedition. Yeah. So it's, it's in all the lineup there. And it calms down the front end a bit for a lot of people. And they really appreciate that. And it still offers the same precision we used to have. And that's key. Uh, a skidoo turns very sharply, handles very, very well. It's very connected to the trail, and that's we we talk with our customers, our owners. That's something they really appreciate is the precision that that vehicle brings. Okay, okay. Uh, I've got um, one for uh, for Chris. Um, we were talking earlier about the mountain sleds and the summits, and then how they've evolved to the uh, you know I, I, back in the early days it was high marking, and now we see more and more people are. You know, kind of maybe getting away from the high marking and getting more into um, running through the trees and that type of thing. And you see the, the boondocking, the boondocking, the freestyle sleds, right? So the freestyle now, we you know we rode on it today, and we're starting to see now the proliferation of the freestyle more going from the western U.S. and Canada to eastern Canada, and especially in Quebec and Newfoundland, Labrador, and even in Ontario, where a lot of people are. Not running the trails as much. They want to get back to the grassroots of snowmobiling, running the power lines, that type of thing. So maybe step us through, because I think Skidoo is the leader, probably established that market um, with the freestyle and uh, the changes for 2016. Well, a lot of the changes have come about just because the snowmobiles can climb such steep grades right now that avalanche danger is out there no matter what. And that 30-degree rule that we have, rule of thumb, makes people get nervous about that. And they find that the trees are more of a challenge, that they can really work through it more. And they can also feel that it's safer to ride the trees than it is to go ride the steep surfaces or the steep mountains and having more chances of avalanches coming down on them. I mean, it's uh, people are starting to realize that we can go places that we never dreamed about. So now they want to do more of the technical riding 
get into the trees, fight their way through, or not fight their way, I shouldn't say that, it should be more of a challenge themselves to get between the trees, work their way up a side hill through the trees, rather than going straight up the side of the mountain. It's a lot more fun to work in the trees than it is to go straight up the hill. Anybody can do that. Renters are renting snowmobiles and climbing up a hill, and then they roll the sled down the hill. You know, it's kind of a challenge to watch them wreck them all the time. But uh, it's it's just one of those things where we've had a lot of people say, this is what I want to do. We want to get into those trees. We want to be able to work a sled, make it like we used to do. We had to side hill to get everywhere. Now they want to be able to have that ability with the new sleds. So we made a longer track. Yeah, it makes it easier to work for it, but then you can still have the fun of a little bit of a wider front end on the free ride, a little better shock packages, and you could really pound the sled a little easier than you can with a, a mountain sled where it's more specific than the mountain areas. Did that, did that recreation surprise you pretty quick? Because that's been the past two years. All of a sudden, boom, this backcountry, you know, trail, uh, tree riding, um, riding, it, it became, you know, just, just recently. Did, did, what was the development like in the past two years? Because that, that's when it really happened, isn't it? Last two years, it's all of a sudden boom. You'd start seeing this, like the, the development of, a, of a, the free ride sled came through that phase of discipline. Well, a lot of it came because people just got scared of being in avalanches. I've been in fourteen myself, and it scares the heck out of you. And you have enough of them, and you sit there and say, "I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go do something that's more challenging by working through the trees rather than taking a chance on that mountain coming down on top of you." That's why we use Mike Duffy and all these other people to help us with trying to make people aware of the conditions that are out there and that it can be dangerous and you can get hurt. So we're trying to make sure that people are more educated in the woods out in the back country so they don't get hurt. That's our number one uh, area that we want to work with is to educate people. Yeah. And then if they can go with the, the free rides and learn that this is pretty fun stuff too without climbing straight up the mountain, we think that's a, that's a great way to direct our people. Yeah, and the free ride is, is taking a, a summit rider and giving them, it, it, when we talk about the western part of the United States and the western part of Canada, it's giving them a summit that's able to take a little more abuse, a little more of the big drops, the, the guy that may be the movie hero. Um, it's a very competent package so far as the shock package and the chassis package comes right out of actually a snow cross sled is where it starts, the base of its chassis, and then it gets some mountain-specific features added from there to really make it a very competent machine. And your original question was about moving east with that. Um, there's a lot of people that really want to go play in the fresh snow. It's such a riot uh, to play in fresh snow rather than just all the time groomed trails. It's like, a, it's like a freedom. It's almost like a combination of using a watercraft and then being able to get back on a street bike or a dirt bike. So it's that combination that really is thrilling to those people. And that's where the free ride genre kind of comes from, we feel. And you are right. That trend that we can see a lot of free ride out east that's also the reason behind making that backcountry X and backcountry more toward the off-trail riding. Because these guys, they want to ride in the powder, but they don't need the summit to go really high. They just need something that's still also agile and trail that can go to do a little bit of trail riding with the largest key stands, but also you want to tackle sometime the powder with it. And, and, and we felt that, that to, to help them to get the, probably the perfect combination would be a backcountry X in, in my book. But keep in mind also the free ride is a wild card. It's it's something a nice looking snowmobile, and I, I'm sure that's something that's play a lot in the decision of the of the young buyers. The sharp looking sled, yeah. Mm -hmm. Phil, uh, it's taking us a, a few days still to get our head around the whole 2016 lineup. There's a lot of options there. I'm gonna go way forward. 2020, 
who who's going to decide that sled? Is it the riders, the dealers, the marketing, the race department, the engineers? Who's going to decide our twenty twenty sleds? It's All a really them. that's a really easy question to answer. All Everybody. All of them. Yeah. All of them. Everybody. Yeah, there's influences pulled from all of the things you just mentioned. Okay. I thought it was going to be Mike or Brad that decided it, but I didn't realize there was going to be that many more people involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Grand Touring. Let's talk about the Grand Touring. Um, got a sharp-looking sled there, that uh, new color. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the Grand Touring. Well, when we start with the Grand Touring, we'll start at the top of the line with the SC. Uh, that's available only with the 1200. So the nice thing about that is SC buyers now this year get the Rev Access package. The 1200 with the ITC in it, and just about every option you can think of, including the Pilot TS ski on it, standard, right out of the box. So you've got the air ride suspension. It's a 137-inch R-Motion on it. Um, it's got all the saddlebags in the, the trunk on the back of it. It's got the adjustable passenger uh, backrest. ACS rear suspension. Yep. It's got the high All the plugs grips. for every heated yeah. boot, heated visor. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty complete right out of the box. Next thing is your Grand Touring LE. I mean, we're going to offer you some choices here. You're going to be able to get the 1200 in it still, but you're also going to be able to get the 800, the 600, uh, and just for options on that. So, and the 900 Ace. Yeah. 900 Ace, as you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Gord, you, you talked about that, seen a lot of them on the trail. Extremely popular machine right now. That motor's been uh, surprising a lot of people. Uh, they see 90 horsepower, and they at first they kind of thought, oh, that's not going to be enough. Then they rode it, and now they're extremely happy with it. So. Grand Touring also, we do offer an entry level on the Grand Touring. The, the, the sport model is a much more of an affordable package, too. That will be the A600 in that. So. If, I, if I may make a quick comment about the Grand Touring, it, it, it was interesting uh, being out with the ditch bangers down some really moguled out trails. And I'm watching all that, you know, everybody bouncing over the trails. And then somebody looks over their shoulder and says, So where's Phil in the Grand? And I'm sitting right there beside them. You know, how's it going, eh? Mm-hmm. It's like the, the ability of that suspension over the rough stuff. Is Brad, incredible. Brad, you experienced that today too. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've always been a really big fan of the, the Grand Touring SE and the Air Ride, but in the new uh, like moving to the XS chassis and, and having the RAS two and the Pilot TS skis, um, like this is by far the best handling and the best Grand Touring SE that's that we've had to date. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people underestimate the capability of this sled. Um, you know, it definitely has the styling now that a little more uh, appeal to it, but I mean, this, that sled handles and rides extremely well. I mean, I, like, I, I wouldn't be out on a limb saying it's the best riding sled in the industry. I mean, like I, I to me, it, it doesn't get much better than that. And, um, really comfortable yeah, ride. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. So I think a lot of people need to be honest and, and look at this sled and really give it an honest look because, it does everything. It performs. It rides nice. You can, you know, with the standard and eco mode now, you can go nice and easy through the trees and tight woods. And yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is, yeah, an amazing job on this sled. It's real. Thanks. That, yeah. And that goes back to the DNA that, that Skitty wants to bring to the trails. And you look at where that chassis started. It started off as a performance chassis, and uh, you can see that it migrates through the lineup. It, it, it's a good handling chassis because. It was developed with all riders in mind and put from everybody like we're talking about. But the basis of it is start with something that works right and then build on from there. Okay. Chris, let's talk some mountains. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a fast moving segment. Um, it's uh, you, you got to be on the ball. I mean, there there's these riders, they're wanting something Constantly, every year, they're, they're wanting something lighter, faster, more nimble. 
better handling, you name it. These guys are wanting it. How, how are you keeping up with, uh, with these guys? <laughs> They're very challenging, let's just put it mildly. I mean, we, we have a, a big group of guys that are working on mountain sled development that we use. We use various people from all walks of the industry right now that are helping us with some of these areas. We've got a team in Colorado. We use a team up in uh, Canada. We have teams back at Valpor that we help develop it. We all work together, come together as one complete team to try to develop the sleds. Uh, a lot of round table discussions to see what works. And a lot of time out in the snow. We have a lot of time that guys are just out riding every day saying, this works and this doesn't work. I mean, we buy our competitor vehicles so we know what's good about them what's bad about them. So we know what exactly we need to do to try to improve on what we're working on. So it's a constant challenge just to try to make a better vehicle. What is the biggest challenge? Engines, chassis, lightness? Ergos, what 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 is what is your biggest challenge right now that you're that you're seeing? All of it together. Did you guys say? Did you see see box? Ewer says all of the above. All, all <laughs> of the above is the best answer. You Answer can't do it with just one thing. All of these. You've got tracks. You got to have tracks. You got to have suspensions. You got to have a sled that rides well. You got to be able one that you can maneuver easily. What Try to take the weight out of it. You got to make it so it's ergonomically correct for the guys. Got to have some wind protection for them. Got to make it so they can work their handlebars. They can get forward on the sled. They can throw it up on side easily. The running boards have to let the snow evacuate quickly. I mean, there's just a, it's a plethora of stuff that you have to put together to make a good mountain slope. Yeah, one, one thing. One thing, Chris, I think you you haven't touched on it yet because you you maybe over even forgotten about how much easier you've made it to ride oh, with yeah. the new T3 and the XM. When the XM hit in 2013, we gained a lot of customers really quickly because they rode the vehicle. Mm-hmm. We gave them a chance to try it, and they found out how easy it is. To balance the machine, it's got a large sweet spot. So when you tip it up, there's a lot of room for you to find the right angle that's comfortable for you to ride that vehicle. That made a huge yeah. difference. And then T3 elevated that game again last year. To me, and that continues to help us gain some market share that way. To me, it's all about the team motion. I started working at BRP eight years ago, but only since five, past five years at Skidoo Division. And and being from East, I'm not used to ride a lot of in powder in mountain riding. And, and I start, for, I remember five years ago, I was trying to ride those free ride uh, with SC5M on the back. And also I was trying competition, which seems to be lighter and all that. And I was fighting it big time. And they told me like, let's try that competition. It's supposed to be lighter and easier for you. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And the day that they released T-Motion, it was like just blessing. Like, wow, that thing now I'm able to get it easily and it's effortless. And, and, it, and it's put you in confident now now you i'll be able to follow at least the guys i'm not going to do everything that they're doing but i'll be able to follow them and be able to to learn faster that make a big difference to me it's not just weight matter it's also the way that that everything works together that makes a big difference i look at the team ocean as something that's going to extend my riding time by 10 years mm-hmm. because it makes it so much easier you both mentioned something interesting in the last minute and that's riding you guys, uh, you live and breathe this. You, you work it. You got to meet, meet with dealers. You got to meet with marketing people and stuff. What's it like when you get to ri- actually go go for a ride without <laughs> anybody asking you questions? What's it like? It's always fun. And, and and to me, I'm not riding enough. Never riding enough. It's it's we need to do more. We need to ride more. But we need also to see dealer. We need also to to do focus group and all that. But but every time we can spend on the snowmobile, to me, it's a, it's it's just an enjoying moment. And 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 and. And I keep always in mind my job. I'm always thinking, what can I do best? What I can I, what 
what do the consumer feels when they, they say that we need something different on that and this and but but every time I can ride being here these days with you guys is just best trip of the year for sure yeah it's one thing nice about you know when you go riding phil you put on your helmet I don't have to listen to anybody else anymore. <laughs> you don't ride with communicators or devices that no, you just no, ride? It's time to ride. <laughs> the one thing that you, when you're with mountain guys, they're all enthusiasts in our group. There isn't one of them that's not an enthusiast. I mean, they want to make the best snowmobile, and they're there because they're having fun. And you, when you go out and you're working, and everybody's got a big smile on their face, that makes it real fun to be able to go out, and everybody's trying to beat each other up the mountain. They're trying to go through the trees with a better line. You're trying to see what can we do to make that sled do better because we're enthusiasts, not just working for the company. Okay. Uh, let's take us through your deep snow, your, your summit model line for uh, 2016. Mm, boy, well, of course, we start out with the T3s uh, as far as in the Summit X packages with the uh, 163 and the 174s. We also have a 154 with a 3-inch and the T3. These all have the... Uh, aluminum body shocks, they have the scratchers, they don't have the idler wheels. You go down to the SB versions, you get you can also get the T3 package on them, but with those you do not get the aluminum body shocks, you get the steel body shocks, and you get the idler wheels rather than the scratchers and the suspension. Uh, you can still get a 2.5 inch 800 in the sled, and we also have the uh, sport versions, which are the 600 and the 800, but those are the carbureted versions, not the E-Tech motors. So. We give a cover the whole range in quite a quite great depth at this point. Yeah, and to me, I think the most important thing about 2016 is we now do offer that T3 package in season. So now those guys that want to buy in fall and they don't look at the spring sales, they can now buy that T3 package on the same tree that is offered on the X model. One quick question for Chris, talk about mounting riding. You've taught probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people how to ride sleds day one. You still get that smile on your face when somebody shows up in a group and says, I've never ridden one of these before. Fresh meat, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've dug every one of us out. I've dug every one of you out at one point or another. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I don't know how many people I've taught. I mean, hundreds upon hundreds I've taught. I've taught everybody almost in Valcor how to ride in the mountains, people that have turned into greater riders than me now, just because of all the years. And it's been fun. I mean, to sit there and watch the guys do something dumb and you big thing I find is that it's educating them on which end of the lever you want to use whether it's the throttle or the brakes and when they first come up one of the first thing people do is too much throttle not learning to work the throttle and not enough brake and they don't and you it's fun to teach people how much to use the throttle and how much not to and what to look for whenever they're doing and watch people stop on an uphill slope which has happened more than once teaching them to make sure you're going downhill. There's just so many little things that we teach them, but it's been, it's been great fun. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit to uh, PGNA, and uh, Skidoo's got some really uh, cool stuff in the last couple of years with the Link system. Um, in fact, we were at a competitor of yours a few weeks ago and talking to uh, the uh, PGNA manager, and he was like, oh, God, I wish I had thought of that, uh, that Link system so that's been a real winner but when we were at the tech day steve touched on that uh skidoo this year has the ras2 as an upgrade kit for people that are listening that you know can't afford to buy a new snowmobile but they've got an older uh 
um, machine for three or four years, you know, and uh, older sled, and, and you offer this update kit. And, and uh, why don't we just talk a little bit about that and what Skidoo has got new for 2016 for PG&A for, uh, to dress up, you know, a new sled or even an older sled, you know, to make it look new. We, if you get a chance to grab our new PG, our, we call it PAC, uh, Parts Accessories Clothing, uh, if you get a chance to grab one of our new catalogs, you'll actually see a couple builds in there where we've taken a little bit older machines and we've updated them. Um, we offer the RAS 2 suspension that you mentioned. Uh, nice upgrade for 08 through all the way through uh, 14 to move up to RAS 2 front suspension. Very easily done. Very economically priced, too, uh, as compared to buying the components separately. In addition to that, we've also got things like the Pilot TS Ski will avail be available this year. Um, you've got a T-Motion suspension you could add to a Summit with a Flex Edge track. So there's all kinds of ways to upgrade your ride and kind of keep it fresh and even bring some of the newest technology in there without having to buy a new snowmobile. So we realize that not everybody buys new every year and they can't afford to buy new every year. So we keep them engaged during the years when they aren't doing that. Okay, I, th I, th I think we're good. Um, that's, a, that's a ton of information. Hal, you got another question? I got one last question that I want to ask every one of you. So you've all been with Skidoo for... Various number of years, Chris has been there since his dad with his dealership in the 60s. And um, What is your favorite Skidoo model of all the ones back in the... Uh, and the easy question is, say, the new one. I mean, uh, looking back over the years, what is the one that uh, is the most sentimental uh, to you uh, that you've owned or ridden in the past? Let's start with Chris. After you guys, and then we'll tell us our, our favorites. Oh, gosh. In mountain segment, I would have to say my favorite was probably the first Highmark, just because it was the first thing that set the industry on its ears with a true long track, with a 151-inch track, where for years we were just doing 136-inch long tracks. And when we came with that, everybody said, it'll never work, it'll never turn, and nobody will ever buy it. And now it's a short track out there. So that's one of my favorites, and my 84 twin track race sled. That was my <laughs> I'm almost favorite sled. Okay, Steve. Uh, as a young boy, I had a chance to watch a lot of races. I was always a fan of the racing and the snow pros and what have you back then. I remember the uh, Duhamel trap battles that they had when I was very, very young, but I was listening with all intent of what was happening then. So the Blizzard series was by far the one that intrigued me the most. So the 79 Blizzard, when I actually bought my first 79 Blizzard with the uh, wide front end on it, the RV type front end on it, by far my favorite. And to me, I arrived with Skidoo with probably the best era of Skidoo the past five years. And, and, and it's a bit cheating, but to me, the unit I learned on, it's an XRS 600 E-Tech. So, so and, and I love that set, not because of the capability of it, but the, the, the nimbleness, the agility that set bring. It's so, so predictable. It, it's point and shoot. And, and, and that put me in confidence when I, when I learned snowmobiling. But I must say also another one that I really enjoy, probably not too often, not enough, uh, it's it's the Tundra Extreme. Tundra Extreme is is a model that's not as much known as many models in our lineup. But when you have the chance to ride that thing in the powder, that's so fun, so much fun. Go. Well, that's tough. There's been a lot of them, <laughs> a lot a lot of good memories of twelve and a half to one compression rotary valve engines and stuff and trailing arms. But uh, probably like so many people, you go back to the earliest, and I still have my first Skidoo I ever bought a seventy two TNT four forty. I love to look at that thing, the shaking of that engine when that 440, you know, is warming up. The uh, 
twin gauges. I had a tack and a speedometer. You know, the white stripe up the middle of the hood. Uh, first light I ever bought, and it's still there. So it's got to be my favorite. Uh, well, I tell you, I'm like Phil, man. There's been, there's been so many nice ones, but I think my first experiences in snowmobiling and my first races that i ever seen was a silver bullet. And I think that's what kind of inspired my enthusiasm for snowmobiling is that year, 72, 70, or really early 70s. And I think the silver bullet kind of... Uh, Kind of sparked my interest in snowmobiling, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go old and silver bullet. Okay, mine was I I raced a competitive brand in the '70s, so I was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, always racing against uh, Skidoo. So you know, the, the sled that really upset us the uh, the most was the uh, was the '73 TNT 400 Free Air. And that was a beautiful sled, and you know we were racing TXs, Polarises, and uh, Skidoo came out with this completely new chassis and hydraulic brakes, and they had the 400 rotary valve engine that they had had in the blizzard the year before, and uh, they kicked our ass. So uh, that that's one of my favorites, and then my second most is the the two, 75 245 RV. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful sled. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was the inspiration for the blizzard that I liked. Yeah, gorgeous sled. Brad. Uh, mine pretty close actually, but the the winner I think is the, the Formula S, like the ninety five, ninety six, first couple of years of the Formula S. I when I was young, I saved up a, all my money to try to buy a new one, and I fell a little short. But a few years later, finally ended up buying one. And to this day, you know, some of the most fun I've ever had is on the little Formula S drift riding in some farmers' fields, and yeah. Fun, your, fun your wife, your wife is uh, quite the Scoot fan too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she ended up riding one as well, and yeah, we just yeah, big spot in our hearts for the Formula S. Yeah, Mike, you've had a, you've had every you've oh, had everyone. I've had quite a few sleds. <laughs> I still have a lot of them. Uh, my '67 Olympic, I put a lot of miles on that. I still have it. It still runs. Needs restoration, but it's uh, it's still there. And my '93 plus EFI, bought that for the wife. She rode it for a few years. Got it. Doesn't ride so much anymore. But I still have it. It's only got 5,600 kilometers, but when the trails are smooth, oh man, that thing just rocks. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's great, guys. Uh, it was a nice conversation with you. I really appreciate it. Steve Cowling, David Tietro, Chris Rust. Really appreciate you talking with us, talking about the 2016 Skidoos. And um, looking forward to 2017. But uh, any parting questions? Yeah. yeah, when do we get to turn the microphone around and ask you? What? What do you want to ask me? Well, let's go through. Let's start with the top of the lineup. What do, you think, lineup? What, do you, what do you think of it? I, I told Phil today. What did I say, Phil? What's my favorite song? I was ignoring you as always. So. <laughs> you were talking and I was just... <laughs> well, I, I, I did go on record today saying that the Enduro was my favorite sled. Cool. So you like that? You like that? Way I, I like that. And, and, and uh, I also said that I like that color. Oh, good. I think there was a lot of questions about that color. The, the kind of tan color, but Different. I... Uh, in in person, it's different, and I like it. I really like it a lot. I, I you are, you now offer it in the black, but I would I would go for that that color. That, that that's an excellent looking sled. I'll vouch for him on that. He did say that, and, and I agree with him in that. There are sometimes colors and brochures and stuff don't do sleds justice. You have to see them on the snow. It's amazing how many sleds you see them on the snow, and you think, wow, that that really does work. And you pull into a rest stop somewhere, and black sled, black sled, black sled. But a colored sled comes in, hey, you know right away what that is. You know, it's, it stands out. 
mm-hmm. you know, like the XRS, everybody's going, oh, exactly. I don't want the yellow and orange one, that's too flashy for me, but that's what's get the black one, then the black one gets fighting. It blends yellow in. Yellow and orange one, hey, it stands out. Now, what do you think of the lineup? Well, I, uh, I mean, uh, my, my, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a big Skidoo guy, right? Um, but I mean, we're, we're we're being frank here. But so I'm, uh, I'm the guy you want to switch over, right? And uh, I've had the opportunity this year to have the uh, the Renegade XRS, and uh, so I spent uh, a couple of weekends on it, and uh, um, that new front end really made a, a big difference in the in the handling. Um, it's a lot different than you know the other sleds that I ride, uh, but like I told anybody at our at our local clubhouse, I mean if this is the skidoo, if you want the ultimate skidoo uh, for bump, because I love the bumps, right? That's the kind of riding I like doing. Um, is the Renegade XRS? So, so for me, it's the Renegade XRS. But in the new lineup today, um, the most fun I've had on all of them has been the. Uh, the uh, the pre the pre uh, pre stop right free ride. I like the position free of the handlebars. I was telling David earlier, we were running the uh, the enduros. Yep. And the, my only cons- uh, um, uh, thing about the enduros was the low handlebars on it. I, I found that David was showing me that there's another position that you can put the steering post at at a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think if it was up like the freestyle, I, I really like that. I was, is that I was in that groove, you know, even free, though free that machine's not a, a t- tight, twisty, turny sled. It just felt really, it felt really good ergonomically. The handlebars, everything, I could really get into the cornering and everything. I could stand up without not having to pull my arms up to stand up. I could just transition from sitting to standing and uh, um, and that. So... Um, my Maybe favorite, you bring my, up an interesting point there because you know what? The XRS you're riding right now yeah. has that pull yeah. in the position. That's what we were wondering. Forward, I, forward I didn't realize that until he pointed it out. Yeah. And that just, for me, feels, I feel at home on that sled. You know, I could really rail around the corners. And, and he asked me the question, it's not that long to change, right? Is it? No. It's, well, you, it takes you probably 20 minutes. To do it's okay, so it's not a big, as big a deal. So a guy can do it in his garage, so. Because yeah. you were asking about make, putting a higher rise on it and probably just by putting it forward can make already a big difference. Would make a big difference. And again, it's a preference for the riders. So uh, I like, I like that do it. being able to stand up, sit down real quick and easy. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyways, XRS, kudos to Skidoo. It's a, it's a fabulous sled. And the R-Motion is still the best rear suspension out there. I mean, when you ride one from the next to the other, I mean, it's super plush and it's, you can't bottom it. Everybody wanted to get back to the camp with their enduro this afternoon, huh? <laughs> At least it's a good thing that we had too. <laughs> Brad, you might make, make some comments too. Um, yeah, I, I think the back country, the move to the 146 and then the XM was uh, definitely a good move from anything I've, you know, feedback I, I've received that, you know, that that's, that's the way you guys needed to go. And I think the uh, Enduro addressed a huge part of, I'm not going to say a huge part, but definitely a growing part of the crossover segment that, you know, was lacking before. So, you know, in in my eyes, you, you guys have nailed it pretty pretty well. I'm skeptical about the air ride at first for that specific segment, but uh, you know, you ride that through some bumps, and then that's you know, question to answer right there. It's it, it needs to be there because whoever's going to buy that is obviously going to also want to put on a lot of miles. You know, they're not like you said, they're not pinned to the trails or off trail, and 
as awesome as that is on trail, it's very capable, very practical off trail to have that air ride. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think where you guys are going is where the market and, and is we, we said that to me on the trail that it was on four position and then they changed it, changed it to three and it was perfect. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. So, so, so that possibly to do it on the fly, you were feeling that the suspension was a bit too harsh and you just like, well, it's, boom, it's changed one of the best the engines in the industry. Well, well today we were flying down the trails and I was on one of the, I was on the 1200 Enduro and uh, David was in front of me on the, uh, the back country, the back country, right? So the 800, right? So I was, you know, I could, I was catching them and then I was losing them in the bumps and everything. And uh, so we had gone through the adjustment on the fly with the uh, with the uh, air ride, right? So you know I was kind of fidgeting with it till I got it sorted out, and, uh, and then you so I dropped it from four <laughs> to three, and the, the 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 change in the in the ride was unbelievable. All of a sudden I was just like, I was right on him, right? I was oh, like yeah. right on his eyes. He didn't know I was right behind him, right? But it, when I got the chance, I nailed it, right? And I just boom. well, that was the twistiest part of the trail. And I was gone, <laughs> was right? You know? country, yeah. But it made a huge difference. It was so cool. I mean, I like that. You and know? I feel I was so slow by that time that I, I could. That's, that's key. What you've just said is there's, there's the ability to adjust the snowmobile. We see that as a big, big thing these days to fit you. Yeah. Right. Because you know, the next guy is not going to be the same as you. He's right. got different parameters. Right. You've got a snowmobile now that fits your style. Yeah, and then with the skis. I played with these skis today from from full extension to full retraction, and every notch there's a difference. You can feel it. So like Phil and me were talking today in the past where you were having to play with the you know the the, the skid frame to get the pressure on the front end, especially with the four strokes, you know, because there is that more weight. weight. You can back off that mm -hmm. that uh, skeg right and mm -hmm. and bring it up a bit, and it takes the weight off, so you're not having to. Now, you've got your rear suspension set up so it's, you know, not bottoming out. It's the way you like it. You can go through the bumps. If you want to get a little more aggressive turning so I can rail around the corners or whatever, it's just a quick twist of the... Uh, now, it's a ski adjustment instead of pumping up this, the preload in the yeah, back you, or shortening it. And you nailed it. I mean, you know, all these different varieties of skis every year. I mean, just the cost for the manufacturers to retool and everything else. Right. You know, adding all these different carbides and everything. Now, to be able to do this... That quickly, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a no-brainer. You kind of wonder, why didn't we think of that uh, ten years ago? You know, yeah, as as Helen was just saying, we, as exactly our point was, sometimes you get a sled set up the way you want, and you need more ski pressure. Well, now you got to throw off your suspension adjustment to account for you can't get enough bite, and vice versa. So it's so nice we can touch the bite without having to touch the whole setup of the suspension. Yeah, Mike, would you like? Oh, I think uh, Backcountry X. I'm a off-trail kind of rider. I like doing hitting big overhang drifts and jumping off them and, you know, riding into them and stuff. And now with the 146, that's going to make it that much easier. You know, it's uh, my kind of sled. And do still, they, still riding on the trail. Do they went the two-inch on it track. Today, so yeah, a bit more track than the, the regular one. Yeah, like my personal sled is the old Ford Renegade X that come with the one, one and three-quarter paddle and I'm still riding today, and uh, you know, fun. Every you time know, you mention backcountry, you keep looking at me like I was supposed to follow you everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. <laughs> hey, that's called a bad idea. <laughs> I'll follow. I just got to bring a flare gun so people know where to come get me. 
Your flare gun is Chris. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. That was uh, that was a great, informative session. Really appreciate you guys coming along, and uh, say look forward to uh, spending some uh, some good miles on uh, next year, next winter on uh, on Sluice sled. Hopefully, nice and durable. SRS. Dropping some hints on you, Steve, but uh, <laughs> we'll see where it goes from there. His shopping list is long. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.